There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. How are you now? Broadcasting from the VFS studios in Sydney. You're listening to the all-new BIP Show, Season 6, Episode 2. Don't forget to hit subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. A reminder that all the financial information in this podcast is generally nature only. Speak to a professional advisor about your needs. That's me, James Whelan, Investment Manager of VFS Group. Paul Colgan is just stuck in his car. He can't figure out how to get out of it, but he's back from Davos, and, uh, and we're all, be, all set to go next week. It's going to be great. Uh, this episode is being recorded in Sydney on the 11th of the 11th, 2022, a uh, quick moment of remembrance for uh, those who, who fought and died for our country. Um, we will never forget you. Uh, it is 10.09 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. I want to make sure that we're done by 11 o'clock for sure so that we can have a, a moment of remembrance uh, for those past. The uh, the guest today um, is Pete Wardrop, co-founder of Buyer's Buyer. Buyer's Buyer's. Sorry, I'm going to get that right next time. Um, Pete, uh, thanks for joining us, mate. How are you now? Very well, thanks, James. I was glad to hear you got the obligatory uh, Davos joke in there. And uh, <laughs> yes, uh, the inner west traffic is well; it's a hot topic at the moment. The uh, the open borders and the recovery and immigration. So some of the things we'll talk about today, no doubt. I have I have absolutely noticed the short trips that I'm doing now in the car are taking me so much longer. My bus trips to Milson's Point, which is only five kilometres down the road to my office is now taking an insane amount of time. It doesn't matter what time of the day it is. Um, there's a part of me that wants COVID to come back so everyone gets the hell off the roads. Yeah, I actually went to uh, watch England, uh, the Gabba, the other night uh, with uh, Dr. Chris Caton, who some of the older listeners might remember from BT Financial Chief Economist oh, uh, days. And, and the- I was actually stuck in traffic at midnight after the game on the way home, which, you know, yeah, that's the sort of thing I remember from Oxford <laughs> Circus 25 years ago. But in Australia... Uh, traffic jams at midnight are pretty unreal. I know they do a lot of the roadworks in the evening, but even still, um, the traffic in in and around southeast Queensland are noticeably worse. Uh, part of that's interstate migration, but also, of course, the borders are open now and things are busying up again. Yeah, th- th- things are busying up again. And again, we've got, we'll, we'll get into the budget first off. We're going to talk about stamp duty, fixed rate mortgages. We're going to talk about visas as well. We'll get there in construction too. It's all ahead of us, but I, I, I am reminded of what Adelaide Timberall told us a couple of weeks ago, which is that whilst this economy is apparently dying, everyone is still out doing stuff. So you can see that like the, the, the fact that traffic is out there, people are still working, people are still going to the cricket, people are still eating out, but apparently everything is teetering on the edge of a cliff. Now, uh, before we get to that, quick summary of what happened last night. Inflation numbers dropped, the CPI numbers dropped, uh, came in much much a bit lower than expected. Super weak on the core side of uh, of things. That's what the Fed looks at. Um, market absolutely pumped. Uh, Nasdaq was about seven percent. Gold miners, which we added to on Wednesday, also up about that seven percent too. 
bond yields came way off and so bonds went up because apparently they move inverse to each other. Uh, inverse, converse, whatever it is. And uh, generally speaking, everything's off to the races. So there's a, a pretty bullish sentiment in the market right now. So catch it while you can and uh, and get everything you can. Will it carry on for the end of the year? Well, only time will tell if there's uh, there's one data point. But it, it seems like only a week ago that we were all worried about the news out of China being real or not. Now that's a moot point because China reopening doesn't uh, doesn't seem to want to care about what's going on and uh, and the market doesn't want to seem to care about that. That's uh, The market's going to be caring about the Fed. It's the only other game in town. So... Speaking of budgets, Pete, what's the uh, what came up in the latest federal budget that uh, that's your take? And and this is me who's been following stuff overseas now for the last few weeks, really focusing on what's going on with the midterms and with China and with the Fed locally. I'm uh, I'm I'm sort of lost in the jungle. I was just wondering if you could help us out. Yeah, I mean, I guess if your mind has been elsewhere for a few weeks, um, the, I mean, the federal budget, in a sense, there weren't too many surprises. The first uh, federal budget under the new government. So it was a bit of a sort of a nip and tuck affair. You know, usually if there were any major issues coming up, we would have heard about them ahead of time. I think um, from a housing market perspective, the headline grabbing uh, proposal was 1 million new homes over five years. But a little bit like the the coalition promising 1 million jobs over five years, it's a big headline number that sort of attracts a few uh, media reports. But actually, when you dig into it, um, that's from 2024 to 2029. Well, I guess if you look at the population policy that Australia is set to run over the next decade, a million homes is the bare minimum we would need to build. And in fact, if you looked at um, the preceding decade from 2014 to 2019, we actually built over, well over 1 million homes over that five-year period. Mm. Um, so look, it, it attracted a round of applause in the parliament and uh, got a few media releases. But um, the reality is that, that there are the Labour government's looking at some ways to get institutional interest in delivering some homes to the market. Um, always going to be a challenge, I think, with the returns on offer. Uh, also, $350 million made available over five years, which is uh, three-fifths of not very much, to put mm. it politely. Um, so, look, the, the market's going to need to deliver the vast bulk of the housing supply. Uh, and that's, I think, going to be a huge challenge over the next few years. We're cur- currently, the market's grappling with very high materials costs, uh, capacity constraints, and so on. Uh, and as we sort of touched on at the beginning there, we're just starting to see immigration ramp back up rapidly and people moving freely again in the cities. Yeah, and, and just on those construction costs as well, I, you know I've always keeping a finger on the pulse of what's happening in the anecdotal side my most of my friends are builders are in the building industry golf yesterday with a with a, with a fellow that's a local builder around here and always asking about how much construction it, are, are the costs of these things coming down and the fact is that they are easier to acquire but the costs have not come down which is just wonderful isn't it especially since i'm about to do a renovation on my own house here as well uh, that um but the, that, that's the anecdotal coming out of out of the building sector, remember when not only were costs really, really high, but you also couldn't get the stuff, and that's only if you could get it. Um, now, yes, you can get the stuff, but it's still costing you an arm and a leg to be able to get. So that's being passed on to the to the consumer who has to build their stuff as well where, where possible. And so there's uh, still a little bit of pressure from that side. That's still inflationary, but at least at least the supply chain issues have, have, have eased up. Um, well, well, I think I've got friends in the development game and they would say, if you look historically, prices tend to go up, but they tend to be sticky. They often don't come back down a lot. And uh, yeah. 
the same applies at the moment to the cost of trades. It's been really hard to get access to trades or tradies and uh, the services required. So, um, I mean, to, to some degree in the housing market, if you've got a finished article, sort of turnkey product, some of those properties are getting a, a fair bit of competition because nobody really wants to take on a major reno or a new build at the moment because of the risks involved, We've seen some insolvencies, particularly in Queensland. Mm. Um, so, yeah, th- those challenges are still around and that's probably going to go on into the next year. Now, okay, so moving on and let's just talk locally. The hot news is stamp duty, um, and I don't, I don't even watch the local news, mate. So, could you please tell me what it, it, that, that's passed? That's passed uh, in Macquarie Street. That law has passed. What does it actually specifically mean to individuals? And where's where's your what forecast do you have off the back of that change? Yeah. So, um, if you're not familiar, so the New South Wales uh, government under Premier Perrottet. Well, we've been talking about this for years, actually. Um, whether the market can move for it towards phasing out stamp duty towards an annual land tax. So the way they've gone about it is that prospectively, uh, first home buyers up to the price point of 1.5 million will be able to opt whether to pay stamp duty, which uh, for the sake of round numbers on a million dollar purchase is 40,000 bucks. Um, mm. Instead, they'll be able to opt to pay an annual land tax of just over 2,000. Um, so a bit like the marshmallow test, I know what I'd be choosing. Um, and I think the research shows that overwhelmingly first home buyers will opt to not pay the stamp duty. So I think if you look at what's happening to rents in Sydney, I don't think SQM's asking rents are up 28% over the year. So even if you allow for those figures being a bit hot, I mean, if, if rents are rising at that kind of pace, I think anyone who's got access to the bank of mum and dad and the ability to pay no stamp duty is going to take the opportunity to try and get onto the the ladder over the the next year. Um, I think historically, when you get handouts or tax reform, you could say that those um, sort of the dollars saved tends to get capitalised into prices. So we we may well see in Sydney and Central Coast and Wollongong, uh, the bottom end of the market actually starting to recover now. Um, In fact, from this weekend, first home buyers can opt to take advantage of those rules. Um, at the, until 16th of January, they'll actually have to pay the stamp duty and be refunded in the new year. But um, I guess even the fact that the reform has passed will change the sentiment at the bottom end of the market. At the moment in uh, Sydney, it's really the top end of the housing market that's feeling the pinch. Uh, reduced borrowing capacities is obviously a more leveraged part of the market. And though the speculative excess is getting blown off a little bit in Sydney. So prices are coming down in the top quartile, but we may well see a recovery at the bottom end of the market. Yeah, I, it could be. Do you think that we're actually going to see, and we'll go into my theory of my theory of stuff as you and I have developed world over famous. these years. <laughs> my, my, my world famous patented um, IP of theory of stuff, we're going to do that. Do you think that this is actually going to help us see more first home buyers, i.e. young people, get into the housing market, which is so crucial to an economy? Yeah, for sure. And in fact, there were already uh, first home buyer stimulus packages in the market. Um, and I think um, it just re- re- reduces the deposit hurdle. You know, if you've got to find um, a 5 or 10% deposit plus $40,000, that's a big chunk of change for a first home buyer or first home buyer couple to save. If you remove that stamp duty hurdle, um, then yes, it will drive first-time buyers back into the market. And people tend to um, you know, follow each other. There's definitely a herd effect. And if your friends and 
sort of peer group in the same cohort are buying, then you tend to follow. So um, I think it will uh, start uh, to see first home buyers coming back in the new year. At the moment, a lot of people are sitting on the sidelines just waiting to see what happens with the cash rate target. Um, we've seen a very rapid pace of tightening and I think people are looking for some kind of signal or validation that the cash rate isn't going to go too much higher from where it is now. Yeah. Uh, I think Adelaide mentioned the other day we could see another you know, four rate hikes potentially in this cycle. Well, you know, If that's on the table, then people are going to keep City on the sidelines, but uh, we'll have to see how things play out over the next month or two. Yeah, and, and that is really it's it's going to be crucial over the next couple of months as well. Especially, I mean, if, unless consumer spending actually, unless spending actually does come down to where the RBA sort of wants people to cut, to bring it down to, unless unless the roads are cleared up at midnight after the cricket, that it's it's going to be very difficult for them. Well, that's that at least is the take on that one. So before we get into the next, many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Section. I've got Gareth Aird from the CBO's note, good friend of the show. Um, he put his note out on the 9th, uh, so a couple of days ago, um, talking on the, the statement of monetary policy from the Reserve Bank. Uh, this is from the, the, the SOMP on November 2022. Um, the RBA now expects annual inflation to peak at 8% in Q4 this year. Underlying inflation is forecast to peak at 6.5% per annum uh, in Q4 22. RBA expects the unemployment rate to be 3.7% by Q4 23. CBA has a higher number as their forecast of 4.3% unemployment. Wow. RBA's forecast for inflation and wages growth indicate that they expect real wages growth to be negative until mid-2024. RBA have downly revised their GDP profile and expect growth of 2.9% a year in 2022 and 1.4% GDP growth in 2023. Now, the CBA take, which Gareth has been spot on, so pay him the respect that he is so richly due, we expect one further 25 basis point rate hike in December, which would take the cash rate to 310, our expectation for the peak in the cash rate. The risk sits with a higher terminal rate, but we continue to look for rate cuts in H223 and favour 50 basis points in Q4 2023. So, According to Gareth, Peter, uh, you could be coming up at the top of the rate cycle, so it's potentially going to be about as bad as it's going to get. What do you think? Well, I think that those are the two sort of ends of the spectrum, I guess, ANZ uh, looking for a terminal rate of in the high threes, uh, Gareth looking for something 
in the low threes. I, I think um, that there's a bit of debate here about whether the current stance of monetary policy has moved into the contractionary phase. I think if you look at the last um, Westpac survey, it was an absolute mess. Consumer sentiment is close to record lows. It's actually lower now than it was during the global financial crisis, which is incredible. So uh, Christmas retail expected to be poor and all of the indicators across the survey were just annihilated unemployment expectations on the up all of the measures of family finances way down 25 30 percent year on year so uh, i think the thing that came out this week the the new home sales for october they just got absolutely crushed they were down another 23 percent over the month so to me, if you know, housing is the cycle to some degree in Australia. I don't think there is, the RBA needs to do too much more. I think the thing is we are going to get the Q4 inflation figures, which are going to be very punchy, as you mentioned. So they may almost feel compelled to do a little bit more if we've got uh, inflation figures at four-decade highs. Um, mm. But it's clearly monetary policy is clearly working. You've just got to look at those new home sale figures. They've crashed now back down to where they were at the very well below where they were the worst of covid so there's a crunch coming for the construction sector um it's just a question of well how much more tapping on the brakes does the rba need to do or feel it needs to do but um uh, it feels to me like the cycle's rolling over pretty substantially on its own yeah i think so and the inflation i mean uh, not that not that they're connected by any real anything real or tangible but uh, but the inflation numbers out of the us definitely the sort of thing that you want to see globally. I mean, we can we can follow the the back of those inflation of the CPI numbers out of them the same way that the rest of the world followed the RBA not hiking by as much as being the signal that all central banks around the world were going to start slowing down, which was an interesting way for markets to respond. But hey, it's I don't make the rules. Um, fixed rate mortgages. Um, so we've been talking now for a few months on the cliffs. Uh, or the peaks, depending on who you talk to. I say Cliff, Marty Wetton over at the CBA, he does say peak. What is it the other way around? No, it's, yeah. No. Um, mate, I've been saying it for a while, and apparently it's all supposed to be hitting this month and next month. Um, do you do, do you see any of that, or do you think that that could be a potential that, that, that all of the people who are rolling off those fixed rates into a variable black hole, I mean, how much of an, an impact do you think that's going to have over the next few months? Oh, see, really significant. If you, if you look at it, I mean, historically in Australia, only about a fifth of mortgage balances are on fixed rates. Uh, that's the way we've tended to run things here. Mostly people have gone to variable. Mm. But we had six consecutive quarters through the pandemic uh, from Q3 2020 all the way through to the end of 2021, where we had extraordinarily high uh, share of fixed rate mortgages every quarter. Uh, now, the most common tenor of fixed rate mortgage in australia is two years so you roll that back two years well they're starting to reset right now and mm. people might be resetting from say two percent to five and a half so that's going to punch a big hole and it may not show up in mortgage delinquencies as much as it shows up in um, things like household consumption purchase of household goods um if you look at the this the scale of it well um at the peak we had almost 40 percent of mortgage balances on fixed rates in Australia. We've never seen that before. So if you assume that's going to roll back to 20%, which it does look to be doing, that's a lot of mortgages that are resetting at maybe 350 basis points higher or yeah. something. In that. So 
you know, if uh, mortgage repayments go up 40 to 60%, of course, that's going to have a massive impact on those households. Um, now, there's always, um, you know, I've spoken to some of the banks directly about this, and you know, they do a lot of analysis, and some people are on a share of fixed and variable, and the timing doesn't all come at once and so on. Uh, there is, you know, potential for some kind of a, a safety release valve because we don't have much interest-only lending in Australia now compared to five years ago. So, you know, really stressed borrowers could go into interest only or even mortgage holidays potentially that we saw through the pandemic. So I don't think it will be the end of the world. But, you know, if you're resetting from 2% to 55 it's surely going to have a big impact. Yeah, okay, I can see that happening as well. And I do I do honestly think as well that it will have a pretty significant impact that Christmas sales are going to be the last big hurrah. I've been saying this for a while. If, it's not, if I'm going to be wrong, I'm going to be wrong. Um, I won't change my tune on this one because I do think that Christmas sales and New Year's sales are going to be the last big hurrah, and then I think people are really going to tighten up as that as as it does hit. But keep in mind that people see the other side of this road, and that the RBA is going to be cutting rates into twenty twenty three or during twenty twenty three. All things so the same, so it's not going to be as bad as it is. There's a quick trade in it, but um, that's sort of where it is. Let's talk about visas now. Speaking of big booming things that's going on, um, how do you see the uh, the rebound in temporary visas affecting uh, affecting property? Yeah, so you're right. There's a couple of different things here. So if you look at um, net overseas migration, well, the federal budget um, essentially assumed plus two hundred thirty five thousand ad infinitum out to the end of the the horizon. So um, if you add in the natural growth of the population in Australia, i.e births minus deaths, that's another 150 or so. So we're talking about population growth of around 400,000 per annum. Um, So in that context, a million new homes isn't going to move the needle too much. I think um, what has really been in evidence um, in recent months, and we do tend to underestimate population growth in Australia, well, the number of um, temporary visas has rebounded by more than 500,000 year on year. Um, And it's not just one sector or one type of visa it's it's international students we've got working holiday makers coming back a lot of visitor visas finally because a lot of people haven't been able to visit friends and family in australia for a couple of years um so i mean if you look at the numbers excluding visitors we're back at record highs pretty much um for visitor entrance um so that's only going to continue increasing. We've got huge numbers of international student applications running at about 45,000 a month. Mm. Um, so we're starting to see this um, just you know, anecdotally as you travel around the country. I've spent quite a lot of time in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane in the last couple of months, and you can see it's having an impact. I think from a housing market perspective, you can see it most readily in the rental market, um, almost exclusively new arrivals into the country tend to be renters uh, very few people move in and buy a house on day one um so it's, it's showing up largely in a rental shortage and that's likely to continue i guess over the year ahead okay that's something to look out for as well so anyone who's looking at uh, at needing to rent um i think i might be in that boat as well over the next couple of months so we'll see how we go um but this isn't always about me um, all right, what else we got here? So, yes, record low rental vacancies. So you do see that as carrying on into 2023. Play that tape to the end. What does that then mean for everything else? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I guess at the moment, uh, you know, rental yields went to a record low through the pandemic, um, I guess following the trend in interest rates. Now prices have come off. 
uh, quite significantly in some cases, and rents have been rising. So yields are sort of coming back into balance gradually. Um, it does sort of raise the question, though, if we're going to run um, a record high immigration program over the next few years, I mean, where's the supply going to come from? Because uh, particularly in Queensland, we're seeing insolvencies in the developer space. Um, it's not a high margin industry at the best of times, but um, uh, as noted, the cost of materials has rocketed over the past two or three years. Um, also, uh, difficulties in availability of labour and trades. Um, so, yeah, there's, we've got immigration ramping up at a time when uh, construction and new building approvals and new home sales are all falling in the other direction, actually collapsing. So, yeah, there's going to be supply is going to be the big challenge for the housing market over the next few years. And I'm not quite sure what the solution to that is, but it's, uh, it's clearly going to be a major issue. Yeah, well, supply's always been a bit of an issue, hasn't it? And just with uh, no change to be able to, no change to that the way that it looks. But um, look, I think that we're about done for time, unless there's anything else you wanted to throw in there at the end. Uh, no, I think, I'm um, going to ask you about buyer's buyer as well. So it's uh, get into that. Oh, I, th- I thought you were going to watch me, uh, to ask me about the uh, T20 semi final, but. Uh, Did something just... happen? <laughs> what happened last night? I didn't watch well, it. Oh, well, uh, England. Uh, Waltz through against India, so um, but I know we've got some Indian listeners, so I won't gloat too much because uh, pride comes before a fall, and we'll probably stuff up in the final. But it was um, yeah, it's good to see England performing for once. Um, yeah, I think um, I think on the just to wrap up on the housing supply side. I mean, if you look back five or six years ago, we were largely funding new apartment projects through Chinese investors, investors from the main. Uh, mainland of China, but yeah. we've kind of shut off that whole channel. So we've got to sort of ask some serious questions. If if we're not going to allow foreign investors in the market, they're effectively taxed out. Where's the new supply coming from? Aussies don't buy new apartments except occasionally in their super funds. So um, I'm, I'm yet to see any sort of solution from the government. If we're going to run rapid immigration, uh, record high immigration program where's the supply coming from so that's a real conundrum they may try to incentivize uh institutional investors into build to rent but at the moment that's not happening yeah okay um, well I, I tell you what whoever can come up with the best answer so on this on the tweet this that'll be the bip show tweet anyone who can come up with some sort of an answer for how we backfill the whole left by chinese investors not investing in off the plan i i'll buy your beer how does that sound <laughs> Well, it's a good day for it. Nice uh, sunny Friday afternoon ahead. So, um, yes, answers on a postcard, I think. Now, t- tell us a bit about your shop, mate. How's it going to buy us by us? Yeah, good. So, um, just if you're not familiar, we're Australia's first uh, national marketplace for property buyers agents. So, we buy all around the country, uh, every state and every territory. Um, so, it's independent advice and we offer more, a more affordable entry level service for people looking. Uh, to get onto the housing ladder or buy an investment property. Um, so, yeah, it's been a much quieter few months, I guess. A lot of people sitting on the sidelines. A lot of people have mortgage pre-approval, but they're just a bit reticent to use it. Mm. Um, so we've certainly seen that. Um, but a little bit of rebound in sentiment uh, since the RBA dropped back to 25 basis points hikes. Uh, we're starting to see people come out of the woodwork again. Uh, but, yeah, I think like a lot of people in the industry, it's been a slower six months. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Well, I'm sure that that's all going to pick up for 2023. So anyone who wants to get in touch with you, um, buyersbuyers.com.au, I think, is, is your website. I'm that's to exactly of. the one, yeah. Okay. And plenty of uh, media releases and news on there as well. Also, some uh, 
access to some of our suite of property reports. Excellent. I'll make sure it's posted. We'll have a link on it too. Great little, uh, great little product and big supporter of it, which is good. Um, thank you for joining us today, Peter. I'm just going to pull my little bits and pieces back over to tell me how to close the show. Um, mate, that's it. The rest of it's on there. So thank you for joining us, uh, Peter Wargent of Buyers Buyers. Thanks, Jimmy. All right, mate. Have yourself a great day. Talk to you later. Cheers. See you. You can find us on iTunes at The Bip Show or wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Twitter at the underscore bip underscore show, and we're on Facebook too. Just search for The Bip Show. I've got a website. Just Google Whelan Capital. It's got all of the links and all of the documents that you want to know. Individually, I am at James Whelan 42 on Twitter. The show is produced by whoever I could find on the day. Thank you very much. We'll catch you next time.